Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a lady in red. In act two of my career and living my best life, my perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom. And truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Good day and welcome to today's episode of the Encore podcast. Today, I'm very excited because we have a truly international guest with us coming all the way from Japan. So I am so flattered and what an honor to speak to someone on the other side of the world. Today, I am speaking to Kathy Imbayashi who is the founder of Sunhood Coaching. And I'm very interested in what all that means. And I'm very excited to hear your story. So welcome, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you for having me and giving me this opportunity to talk with you. Oh, I think you have a wonderful story just in the few moments that we've been chatting. You have lots of twists and turns in your life and you're doing Mm -hmm. something really important. So I'm excited to explore that for our listeners. Thank you. We'll start at the beginning, like I do with everyone. If you can, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where were you born and raised? What was your childhood like? Any highlights or lowlights that you'd like to share? I just want to know who you are. Well, I was born in New Brunswick, Canada, but I spent most of my childhood in Nova Scotia. I am from a large family, five girls, one boy. Everything that I think about from my childhood, from my perspective, I'm very grateful for. I had wonderful parents who instilled in us very strong ethics about work, about life, about morals. And I tried to incorporate a lot of what I learned growing up when I was raising my son with my partner. My beginning was uneventful, I guess, because it was very smooth. (laughs) Yeah, it was beautiful. So I left Nova Scotia. I went to teacher's college. I went from the east coast of Canada out to the west coast, eventually working my way across. When I had spent six years in Vancouver, I was working in childcare. And it was around my 30th year. And I was unsettled, I guess. It was, you know, I don't know if it was a midlife crisis at 30 or I don't know really what it was. But I was searching, obviously. I was searching. And at that time, I picked up a book. And it was Shogun by James Clavell. And up until that point, I had no interest or experience with Asian cultures at all. And it was just not on my radar. And I read the book. And for whatever reason, and it wasn't just the story, but there was something that just called to me. And I knew that I was supposed to go to Japan. Didn't know why, but I knew I was supposed to go. So I trusted that feeling. And within three months, I had finished off my life in Canada and I moved to Japan. I had gotten a job. I wasn't quite brave enough to just go on a whim. I had gotten a job, but I didn't know anybody. I didn't know the language. I couldn't read. I couldn't write. It was a very interesting time. Eventually, left the first job. I was working in a women's business college teaching English. And then I moved to the international school. And I stayed there for, I guess I was at the school for 10 years and then out for seven running my own school in the preschool. And then I went back for my final two years. 
within that time, I met my husband. We were friends for almost seven years before we started a relationship. It was destiny driven. At that point, I had planned to come back to Canada and I was changing careers, going into social work. And within that year, everything that I did in preparation for being accepted, I was going to UBC and everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Everything, like a hundred percent. It could not have gone worse. Letters got lost. Payments went to the wrong place. I missed deadlines because of things like that. And I was waiting right down to the very end. I had actually given my notice with the school because I was sure I was going back to Canada. And I had been in a romantic relationship with my now husband for that one year, just that one year. And it was on the condition that he understood it would only be one year because I was going back to Canada. And throughout that whole year, he kept saying, you know, we will get married at some point and we will have children. And I kept saying, we're not getting married and we're not having children. I didn't think too much of it. And then as things were just getting really critical, like I had gone so far in preparation to leave that I was just waiting to tell Hydro, you know, to turn off the electricity and, and all that, that stuff. And I forget exactly what the last thing was, but I got a letter from the university saying, I'm sorry, but you have missed too many deadlines, you know, this, that, and the other thing. We cannot process your application. And so I wasn't quite sure what to do. And I called my friend and I said, you know, I'm lost. I was sure this is what I was supposed to be doing and it's not happening. And she said, well, maybe you're supposed to be marrying, you know, your partner. Well, I thought about it for a minute and I thought, well, he was quite, you know, clear that it was going to happen. Maybe he knows something I don't know. And again, I trusted that feeling. And I just called him up and I said, were you serious about wanting to get married? And if you are, then, you know, I'll write my family and see if they can set it up for two weeks down the road during my summer holidays. I got my job back at the school. We went home and got married, came back. And that's how that part of it, very, very destiny driven. Oh, I'm a firm believer in signs from the universe. And if you were blocked from coming back, it is because you were meant to be with him for sure. Exactly. And that's proved to be true all the way around. That's beautiful. So again, destiny driven, I won't go into all the details. I wasn't supposed to be able to have children. With my husband's encouragement, I agreed to a procedure that had 0.1 chance of success to become pregnant. And boom, I got pregnant. Wow. And so again, He was just so meant to come into our family. There was no denying any of that. So we spent the next 11. We left when our son was 11. He did elementary school here in Japan. And then I decided together with my husband, but this international school was just too small for the personality of our son. He needed more opportunities with the arts, with music, with sports, with everything, just a bigger environment. So again, destiny driven, I went to New York to an international teacher's job there. And I was discouraged from going because it was an expense to join and then to fly there and stay in the hotel. And I was discouraged. They said anybody who is an early years teacher, mainly with a child, with a trailing spouse, you're not going to get a job. Oh, okay. So of course I still went and I just thought, okay, this is preparation. I'll get the feel of it. I'll understand what the game is here. And then, you know, maybe the next year I will go and be able to be successful. 
again, one thing led to another. There were lots of opportunities, lots of interviews. It was crazy. I've never been in an environment like that before. But on the last day, when most of the jobs were gone, my interviews had not panned out. And I knew it was over. And I walked through the big room that all the remaining schools, international schools that still had positions open were there. And I was just walking around and a gentleman who was behind one of the desks, he just said, well, hi, you look a little bit lost. And anyway, we started a conversation because my hair looks like his wife's hair. And that's how it all started. And we, we were talking and one thing led to another. And because of how I had submitted my information, he hadn't picked up that my specialty was early years. He thought I was elementary and he had a position and it was in Beirut. Oh, interesting. So one thing led to another and the following summer we packed up everything and we moved to Beirut. And then we were there for seven years for our son's middle school and high school. And then he went back to Canada to Montreal for university. From that point, I had been in the classroom up until that point, because I couldn't imagine being an administrator and still trying to be a mom. So I never did that. So once he was gone, that was how I dealt with the empty nest. And I started taking admin jobs. And we went to Bangkok for two years. Then we went to Tbilisi, Georgia for a year. And then we went to Doha for a year. Then we came back to Japan and spent three years in Tokyo and then two years in Hiroshima. And then we retired to where we are now. So that's kind of the full story of my life up until this point. Well, so you've been a world traveler. That's amazing. I've been lucky. Lived in so many interesting places. Where would you say was your favorite place? People-wise, community-wise, climate-wise, I loved Lebanon. Loved Beirut. Loved Beirut. The only downfall is the political instability and the, you know, you're always on the edge. Like we went through a number of assassinations. We went through a war. We went through the Hezbollah uprising. Like, and still, that would be my best. If I was only looking at, if I wasn't looking about the people connection or something like that, it would be Thailand. I loved Thailand. Wow. So interesting. And so why Japan for the retirement part? I assume this is where you're going to stay or do you think there'll be another? It is. No, this is it. Again, another, you know, knock from the universe. We didn't know where we wanted to retire. I was really starting to entertain, you know, a little shack on the beach and until our funds run out and then we go, you know, sail off into the sunset. But we looked in a lot of places, including Canada, and nothing was ever perfect. So my husband asked me, you know, what did I need? And it was like, okay, I need this, 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 and this, and this. And I never said it again. I didn't think it was possible. And he found where we are right now. And it hit every single requirement that I had for retirement. And it was kind of, well, this is perfect. Then this is where we're supposed to be. And I love it. I love where we are. Okay. How old were you when you retired? 65. Okay, so you worked right through to 65. I did. Okay, yeah. but you haven't stopped. You also are having an encore career. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> very much so. So yeah, I'm very intrigued to know what Sunhood Coaching is all about. And maybe you can give us a little bit of a story with the inspiration for it. And then what you're doing, what that all means, and where you're hoping to take it. Because it is also so interesting. Well, again, it wasn't the plan. Like, it just wasn't the plan. 
But we were living in Japan and my son was about three years old and my husband was working on a Saturday and he wanted to go fishing with his little fishing rod. And so we went to a little stream, not far from where we lived, but it was a bit back off the road and, you know, you went through a path to get there. And I have never had any safety concerns since I've been living in Japan. It's just extremely safe. But when we were down there, it was a beautiful day. We were having lots of fun together. And then I looked up to the path and I saw what I write about. And I say that it was a gang of five or six young boys. And at that point, there was something so instinctive, so guttural, that there was just this overwhelming sense of fear. And it was fear, you know, oh dear, you know, there's a possibility of violence here. I need to be able to protect my son and myself. What am I going to do? Right. And, you know, kind of the needle in it too was at that particular time in my career, I had moved from early elementary and I was working with children who were in grade five and six. So I should have known more than most people that just because these young boys were having a growth spurt and they were, you know, big boys, that they were just little boys inside. But still, that was the initial response. So they came down, they were just sweet. We had a wonderful afternoon together. And that could have been the end of it, but that's not me either. And I kind of analyzed things to death. And so that night, I started thinking, you know, why did I feel that way? They were nice kids. We were never in any danger. So where did that come from? And I tried to think about that, but then I had another thought, and that was what changed everything for me. I thought, my little guy is three, so in 10 years, or 15 years, or 20 years, or for the rest of his life, when he is walking down a path, or he's walking on a dark sidewalk at night, and a woman is coming, or a mom is coming, are they going to have the same reaction? Are they going to be afraid of my little guy? simply because he's male. And it was kind of like that just started a fire. It was like, you know, that's not right. Like it is not right. So that's where it started. And that's when I started to just learn as much as I could. And the first book that really set the trail for me was a book, Dr. William Pollock, and it was called Real Boys and fascinating information. But at the very end of the book, he said something to the effect of, If you've got something out of this book and you are ready to become a boy advocate, spread the word. And it was kind of like, okay, he's talking to me. That was it. That just started the whole thing. And while I was still working in education, like I would give workshops for parents, you know, for teachers. I would share what I was learning about the differences between, you know, the genders in education and mostly with education. And then when I retired, it was like, I can do more. I can give more support to parents who are working so hard to raise their children. And they just need someone who's a little further down the road to give them some guidance, give them some new skills and strategies that's going to make life better. And, you know, a beautiful side effect is that it's going to make the world a better place for our boys. And they deserve that. Absolutely. Yes. Interesting. So tell me about the type of programs that you have available. There's a variety. There's, you know, one of them is kind of like the flagship and it's got, if you wanted an overview of everything, that's the one to go to. And then there are other ones that are broken down into more bite-sized, you know, topic-driven concepts. So, you know, there's the courses, there's webinars, there's workshops, there's almost whatever 
you would need, you could find information that's going to help you, that's going to support you. Right. That's beautiful. I love that. And what is your vision for where you're going to take this? Where would you like to see it in five or 10 years? My dream would be that there were so many people who had tapped into the information that it had sparked some kind of a fire in them, just like it did for me. And it was growing and growing and growing so that eventually, not in my lifetime, I'm sure, but eventually the world that children grow up in will be a world where males are recognized for their strengths and respected for them and women are respected for their strengths and the differences between them are recognized and respected and together they complement each other and they collaborate to make the world better rather than not recognizing the differences and then you know working on the strengths together that's my vision that's a beautiful vision i love that what does your son think about all this work he is probably my biggest advocate great and we talk a lot like he's my inside source for young boys right now He's just very supportive. He thinks it's important. He does say that he can recognize that there have been some changes, at least in the social world that he is part of. So that's really encouraging to me because 25, 30 years ago, I wouldn't say that. And I don't think anyone else would. So there are changes happening. And that's really quite exciting for new parents. Yeah, that's great. I also am very blessed that I have a son. And he actually is my co-collaborator on all of this work that I do under the umbrella. So he is my producer. He is my promotions manager. And I actually have written a book as well that he co-wrote with me, which was beautiful because some of the stories I needed some encouragement to pull out or expand upon. And it was really eye-opening to realized that he knew them at the level he knew them. So he almost wrote them for me. So very fortunate. I love that. But I do worry about the world for him as well. There's a lot of tough things coming at young men. My son is 24 and he's got a lot of pressure on him. And so I do worry about him. Ultimately, I know he'll be successful. He's brilliant, but he puts a lot of pressure on himself as does the world. So I think that, you know, it's great that we're having these conversations to say, let's also focus on the boys, right? And once you open the door, once you start looking for, you know, information to support your son, you'll find it. Right. Like there is really wonderful information out there that just, you know, supports our boys at any age. Right. I am not someone who has any difficulty with my son communicating with me because we talk a lot all the time as well. But for people who have trouble getting their sons to open up, what would your advice be? Two things that I think make the process more effective. And the first thing is really delving into unconscious gender bias for, you know, people are not aware of the expectations that they're putting on their children based on their own beliefs. And and often they don't mean to be perpetuating stereotypes, but it's there and it comes out in language. So that's one thing I would say that awareness is really important. And then the second thing is really educate yourself about what the differences are. Like such a simple thing, but in general, They are brilliant, single focus, brilliant. And women in general are brilliant at multitasking. That's the way we go. 
there is some physical differences in hearing and listening. And so I speak to you at one level that's really easy for you to hear, really comfortable. We communicate eye to eye when we're having a conversation. If we were in a relationship and something happened, we would want to immediately address that and talk about, get it all out of the way. In general, we wouldn't want to have any background noise right now affecting this conversation. Right. With the males, first of all, their tone is at a different level than ours. And that's why often they sound to me like I'm quiet and a male's voice, even if they're just using a normal tone, seems loud to me. That's one thing. Then the hearing part is different too. That little boy who has a female teacher and she is speaking softly at the front of the room, he's probably sitting in the back room. He's not hearing her properly anyway. He's not focused on her because there's something going on that's a lot more interesting in what she's saying. And so he totally, you know, kind of tunes out to it. If there was the understanding that in order for him to really connect to the person who is talking, he needs to be closer if it's a female. Okay. So for a mom, for example, if a mom is making dinner and her son is in the other room building this you know, creation out of Lego and he's full-fledged into it. And she calls out, you know, five minutes before dinner and say, you probably start to clean up now because dinner's almost ready. No response. She keeps doing her stuff. Everything's on the table. She calls out again and she says, come on, time to come out for dinner. Still nothing. She's getting a little annoyed because she's had a busy day. She's got dinner ready. She's getting frustrated because she's not getting a response. Nothing happens. She ends up stomping into the room, putting her hands on the hip. Usually it happens around three times, but then she'll go in, she'll have her hands on her hip and say, you know, look, if you can't listen when I call you, maybe that's it for the Lego. And then this little guy turns around, you know, like deer in the headlights and he doesn't know what's going on. He has not heard her. He's been totally into what he's doing. So In a situation like that, and if there's one thing people remember, only this one thing, it will save them so much anxiety for them and their child. Whenever we as moms have said something to our sons and they haven't responded and we think they're probably ignoring us or just being defiant, if you take one step back and take the emotion out of it and get really curious, make contact with him and then say, did you hear me? And nine times out of 10, he'll say, no, mommy, what did you want? Wow. It's magical. It's so respectful. And you both end up winners. Wow. That's beautiful. I love that. It's easy. So easy. I love that. Okay. So if people wanted to get more of your advice, maybe read one of your books or take one of your courses, where would they find you? The website is the best place. Everything is usually up to date because my son helps me. And so at the website, all my social media links are there. There's information, there's blogs, the courses are connected through the website. That's sunhoodcoaching.com is the place to go. Okay, that's great. We'll put a link in the show notes as well so that people can easily find that. I really, really enjoyed our conversation today. I thank you so much for your time. I know in Japan, it is first thing in the morning and it is later in the evening here. So I'm glad we were able to make the time to connect because I do love the work that you're doing. Do you have any parting thoughts for our audience? Yes, like be active. Like, you know, find out what the differences are. Just don't keep perpetuating the society that our boys are having to live in. It is not right. So, you know, become aware, become an advocate, and not just for boys or just for girls, but for humanity, like make it better. 
right? That's what I would say. I love that. That's beautiful. We will leave it there. Thank you so much again, and we will follow up with you next time. Thank you for having me, Sherry. I really enjoyed it.